Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. Help us to hear you. In your son's name, amen. So last week I said that we can't become imitators of God like Paul calls us to do in Ephesians by simply coming to church. It takes practice. It takes working on our putting skills like some of the youth were doing before the service. It's actually a little hard. Um, Working on our putting skills in faith means doing things like using our gifts, serving others, and being present. But the thing is, we can say all the right things, and we can do all the right things, but Jesus said here in John 6 that unless we eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and unless we drink his blood, we have no life in us. It's a weird text. It's an uncomfortable text somewhat to think of eating flesh and drinking blood. But have any of you heard the phrase, you are what you eat? That's basically what Jesus is saying here. We are what we eat. The thing with food is, it's only good to nourish the body if we actually eat it. It's not enough to touch food, to smell food, to see food. It's not enough to even taste food. We have to actually consume it for it to nourish our body. What Jesus is saying here is that we have to actually take in Christ. We have to take in the one who, from John 1, that I read in the call to worship, the one who is the word of God made flesh, the one who is from the beginning, in whom and for whom all things came into being, the one who came to us, desiring to live with us, Desiring to teach us. Desiring to show us that we are lovable. That we are worthy. We are what we eat. We are what we consume. Now, you may not know this about me, but I am actually a pretty big sports fan. Football and hockey are my two favorite sports. Now, being from Mississippi, most people think it's really strange when I say I love hockey. But leading up to the 2010 Winter Olympics, I was in college, and I saw some of the promotional videos for hockey in the Winter Olympics. And I thought, this actually looks pretty cool. And so two of my friends in college grew up hockey fans. And so I went to them and I said, how do I become a hockey fan? How how do I understand this sport? And they told me, pick a team and go all in. That's how you do it. You pick a team and you go all in. 
So I picked the Pittsburgh Penguins because that was the one team they told me I couldn't pick. And my, my love affair with hockey just started, um, mainly because it annoyed them at first. Uh, but I started reading every article I could about hockey, about particular games. I watched the games on TV. I listened to radio play-by-play. I asked my friends questions. And then <laughs> a couple of years later, I convinced my friend Ashlyn to watch the hockey playoffs with me one year. And after watching together, after talking about it together and just experiencing that together, it's, that kind of sealed our friendship. And she's a big hockey fan now, all these years later. I can actually name for each of you all of my friends who love hockey like I do. I can talk to these friends for hours upon hours about hockey. All of this because I chose to consume hockey. Because I chose to throw myself into it. I chose to put people in my life who would encourage this because most of my friends still think it's stupid or don't understand. And I still choose to stay informed about what's going on in hockey. That's how I continue to make it something I care about. I still choose to watch games and to read articles and to talk to my friends who are hockey lovers like me, about it. Now, I grew up in the faith. My dad is a Methodist pastor. Some of you have had him as a pastor. But when I chose to take my Christian walk more seriously, after growing up in the faith, when I actually decided to take that step, I had to choose to consume Jesus. I still have to, every day, choose to consume Christ. Now, there are three ways that I found helpful in consuming Christ, which I haven't found a better way of saying it other than consuming Christ. And the first way is we have to choose to consume the Word of God. Now, parts of the Bible are boring, like the numbers, this many number here, this many number there. Some are really confusing. Some are gross. Some are actually pretty cool. But the Bible in its entirety is an overarching love story written for each of us about why the God who created everything chose to come to us instead of leaving us in our brokenness. We learn about God. We consume Christ by reading the Bible or by listening to Bible stories. We also consume Christ when we pray. When we choose to enter into that conversation with God. Because that's what prayer is. It's talking to God. 
It's saying, I'm going to be really honest with you right now. I am mad. I am sad. I am scared. Saying, I don't know what to do. Sometimes it's saying, God, I don't think you're listening. Or I really need an answer. I need direction. Prayer can be so frustrating. But, I mean, I found, and some of my friends have found, prayer is sanity. Because God is the only one who can and will take everything we have to throw at him, the good and the bad, and God wants that. Prayer is building a relationship with God. And then there's also choosing our community, which is sometimes the hardest thing. It's the hardest lesson I've had to learn in my life, is being picky about the people I choose to pour into me, especially when it comes to faith. Because those who we put in our inner circle, they help dictate what we consume. We need people who will talk to us about faith. We need people who will be honest with us about their doubts and their questions. People who will hold us accountable when it comes to faith. Every week for the past year, I make a point of talking to my friend Kelsey. Because Kelsey knows me so well. She's been my prayer partner for the past year where she knows what tough questions to ask me. She knows that she has the permission to hold me accountable, to ask me, her favorite question right now is, are you keeping your Sabbath? Are you reading your Bible each day? Are you making time for prayer? She has permission to ask those questions. And I've been intentional about talking to her each week because I know that she loves God like I love God. And every time we talk, we end up talking about God. This is the type of community, the type of people each of us need. Because when they're in our lives, we don't have to worry about consuming Christ. They're going to help remind us, and they're going to be Christ for us, and us be Christ for them. We are what we eat. We are what we consume. We are what we hunger for. Or better yet, who we hunger for. Jesus said in John 6, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood Abide in me, and I in them. When we choose to consume Christ, he's there. And he comes to us happily embracing us. And he chooses to be a part of our lives. To claim us, whether we fall flat on our face, whether we mess up, whether we're celebrating No matter what it is, when we choose Christ, Christ claims us. 
And he chooses to be a part of our life. We are what we eat. Jesus is the bread that is never taken away from us. Is bread that waits for us wherever we are. Now, this matchstick church was donated to our church by a man who visited once. And he, he was so thankful for the people he encountered, he gave us this. He built this 40 years ago, over a two-year period when he was in prison. In a place where you are not a name but a number. In a place where he was forced to own up the fact that he deserved to be there. He created this. Starting with a cardboard box. He spent those two years collecting matchsticks. When other prisoners found out what he was doing, they started sending him their matchsticks. And so he spent the time gluing each one. These matchsticks, these offerings from prisoners sent to prison for various crimes, offerings from broken men, helping another man feed his hunger. His choice to consume Christ meant building this church that I hope all of you will take the time to come and look at after the offering, after the service, inside and out. Every detail was thought out. There were pews, there's a piano, an altar table. There's a Bible with words from Revelation. For those two years, this church symbolized this man's bread. This man's hunger to know Christ and to bring Christ into his life. And this church changed his life, building it piece by piece. This is hunger. Hunger that changed his life. We are what we eat. We are what we consume. And Jesus has offered us himself as bread that claims us, bread that takes away our hunger and sustains us, bread that forgives us, bread that calls each of us by name, saying, here I am. But it is bread that we have to accept each day and bread that we have to make a choice to consume. The bread is present. 
All we have to do is say yes. Will you please pray with me? Lord, you who come, you come wherever we are. You come in our pain. You come in our joy. You come in the boredom of life. And you tell us that you love us. You tell us, I am here to give you life that never ends so that you might forever be with me. You who love us that much. Help us to consume you. Help us to show others who you are. In your son's name, amen.